Hey there, everybody. Welcome into Hail Yes, the Detroit Free Press podcast about University of Michigan athletics. I'm Tony Garcia, Michigan beat writer for the Detroit Free Press, joined by Reiner Sabin, our Big Ten insider. And uh, Reiner, we like to think that people come here to listen to us. Uh, a couple of people do, at least one or two uh, every show. <laughs> the bills keep getting paid. My check keeps clearing every couple of weeks. So, so far, so good. However, we have someone coming on, thanks to you, who, who might make one or two more people want to listen. Is that right? That's true. Uh, we were lucky to bring on Paul Feinbaum, uh, the host of uh, Paul Feinbaum show, the uh, eponymous host of that, and uh, on the SEC network, and uh, college football expert on ESPN. So it's a pretty cool thing that he's decided to join us. Yeah, on National Signing Day, no less. And uh, so that's what the next uh, 35 or so minutes is going to get into. Uh, Michigan, Alabama, Jim Harbaugh, Nick Saban, uh, their futures, the pressure of this game, uh, not just their futures, the futures of the program. Uh, what Jalen Milrow, J.J. McCarthy, um, e- even some Dallas Cowboys talk in the mix. Uh, a lot of good stuff. Reiner, what else? Uh do people have to look forward to? Yeah, I mean, uh, just a kind of an overview discussion about both of these programs, where they stand, what they're, what, as you alluded to, what their future looks like, uh, the intriguing coaching matchup between two of the most high-profile figures in the sport, with Nick Saban and Jim Harbaugh. So it's a pretty interesting discussion, and uh, I think a lot of people will look forward to it. I we sure hope so. And of course, we start with the jumping-off point. Uh, that was uh, the wild ride that was the Michigan football season, a couple of suspensions. Uh, you've been there uh, for the whole time, uh, so you all know the story. Without further ado, uh, here's Paul. As promised, uh, here's the man you came to, to listen to, uh, one of ESPN's top college football experts, the voice and face of the SEC Network, Paul Feinbaum. Paul, first, thank you so much for joining us and uh on, on National Signing Day of all days, uh, you're always busy, I'm sure, uh, and this probably even busier than most. Reiner must mean that much to you that you were willing to take some time out of your day and join us. Well, we took advantage of Reiner when he was in Alabama because uh, on our uh, Nick Saban obviously is not an easy person to get on the show. So every week or two when we'd have Reiner on, we, we'd start the show off by saying, don't forget, Saban will join us later. Um, and then for three hours, everybody thought Nick would be there, and it turned out to be Reiner. Oh, man. Reiner is normally, he normally is like the guy people are coming to see, right? But when you're trying to live up uh, to, to Nick Saban, uh, that, that that can be uh, a tough task. Reiner, do you remember those Alabama days? I do. I do. And I've been called out by Nick Saban. I'm on his rant reel several times. Uh, I think Paul defended me at one time I, when I, I think he called me a young reporter at that time. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I, I never really knew the names, but but I, what I did, what I never liked though, uh, and this was something that yeah. uh, because I, there was many many years ago, I was I was that young reporter uh, at the beginning of my career in the front row with uh, Paul Bryant and, and many other legends, and I, I just the thing that Saban bugged me to death about, uh, and still does, uh, is his mistreatment of the media, and and that's something that I've always believed in, even when I I didn't know know people like Reiner uh, personally at the time, but I tried to get to know those guys that uh, covered Nick Saban because uh, there was nothing more difficult. Well, I say there was nothing more difficult. I had, I, I'd never considered the idea of covering Jim Harbaugh at the time. 
Yeah. <laughs> I was I was I was going to stay quiet. I was going to I was going to not make any comments about difficult coaches because I don't know uh there's there's also a basketball coach around here who's not best friends with the media but those are other stories for other times and uh and Paul so much to get into in, into this game obviously uh but before we do and you're talking about Jim Harbaugh there was a question uh if Michigan would even play in a game like this right the Wolverines of course involved in the sign stealing scandal uh recruiting staff for Connor Stallions fired linebacker coach Chris Partridge fired uh but perhaps most notably Jim Harbaugh suspended for those final three regular season games uh his second three game suspension of the year uh Paul uh, I guess the question is, how did you see everything unfold from the outside and when it was clear that, that Michigan was going to be playing Alabama uh, in the Rose Bowl? What was your reaction? Well, first of all, I was pretty excited uh, because as a traditionalist, uh, I'll spare you what you've already regurgitated uh, ad nauseum about the importance of the game. But but I, I really uh, I just I just think uh, after all this and after all the things you guys have been through, to see uh, Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban on that same sideline at, at the Rose Bowl is, is pretty exciting to me. And and, and you do get uh, uh, just tainted after a while. You, this is the third year in a row for Michigan, so you guys understand uh, what those of us in, in the SEC go through every year. Um, but this is one of the most intriguing matchups I've ever seen. You just don't know what's on the other side of this game uh, for, for, for Nick Saban or for, for Jim Harbaugh. So I'm, I'm glad to see it. I, I, I never really thought there would be that moment that Harbaugh wouldn't be in Pasadena or New Orleans or wherever it was. Um, it, it was uh, an utterly bizarre experience. And, and you guys covered it on a day-to-day basis. I felt like I was too in many ways because uh, for whatever reason, uh, I was part of that group that, ESPN called upon to comment. I think so, maybe for all the wrong reasons, but uh, I was there anyway. Well, can, can you, I guess, can you just talk a little bit more about that? Just un, explain to people how, how that works. People might think that you are just choosing, choosing to jump on or, or whatever. Just just very quickly. That was not a planned question. Well, um, yeah, some of this goes pretty far back. And, uh, and you guys, may, some of you may remember, um, when Jim Harbaugh got to to, Mich- <coughs> to Michigan, I was really a big supporter of it. Uh, I thought it was phenomenal. Uh, even around, uh, <coughs> I'm sorry, 2015, 2016, I can't remember what, what year it was. I I described him in, in somewhat of a complimentary fashion at the, at the time as the Donald Trump of college football. Uh, I meant by that is that, that he has just commanded the state. This was when Trump was coming down the escalator and, you know, before before being elected and all the things that have since happened. Um, and, and then it, it, it there was something that happened. I, I really don't specifically remember what caused Jim Harbaugh to attack me in a tweet calling me uh, Pete Feinbaum, the SEC's water carrier. But then it became it, it just became part of the folklore and uh I was being I got called often uh, by ESPN to comment on Harbaugh. And uh, I was pretty bold um, because I really thought he was a, he was a massive underachiever. And, and we all know that and you all have lived that. And then the last three years, uh, 
kind of bounced around. Uh, usually got, got, I was called when he was flirting with the Vikings or some other NFL franchise or when he blew a big postseason game. Uh, but, but this year was different. Uh, in, in fact, the first time I was called by ESPN uh, the week it, it, it first happened in October, I initially felt like the NCAA was out to get him, uh, as some of you may remember. And uh, it was amazing how so, some of the uh, – Friendly Michigan shows called me. Rich Eisen called me, you know, hey, can you be on the show today? Uh, that all changed because I, I, once I started getting a, a better look at what, what I believe to be the facts of the case, I, I, I reversed my opinion. And I think you guys know where I've been since, as we're, where most people have been other than Michigan fans. I guess, I mean, how, how has your opinion, though, of, of Jim evolved over the years? I mean, you know, uh, especially given this run that they've had, but in light of the cheating scandal that kind of emerged, I mean, where, where, where do you stand on him at this point? Well, Rainer, I, I still think he's a fascinating figure. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure we've had many people like him uh, in college football. Uh, I don't know him very well. And uh, I, I, I do, I have had some interactions over the years uh, and some near and some near misses, uh, which I'll go to and in, in, into later if you want me to. But um, I, 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 I think he's somewhat uh, of a dinosaur in a, in a changing world. And, you know, like, like, like many, I'll be surprised if he, if he's, if he's there uh, whenever Michigan season ends, because I, I think there's too much baggage built up, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, I respect his coaching ability. Uh, I, I, I certainly respect the fact that he's been able to get to three CFPs, you know, doing it the way he's done it because it's so unconventional and, and, and contrary to what, let's say Georgia or Alabama, the way they do it. Do you think Michigan can actually move on without him effectively? I mean, do you, do you think that, Michigan can imagine a reality without Jim Harbaugh as, as a coach. I do. I mean, I, I listen, I, I vaguely remember Michigan before Jim Harbaugh. Um, and, uh, you know, there's been, there's been pretty good success over the years. Uh, not as much as I think Michigan uh, fans believe there has been. Uh, but, you know, that's, a, that's kind of an old, uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, part of my greatest hits. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm, tr- I'm going to try to spare you, uh, you know, the, uh, the top 40 version of uh, Paul Feinbaum on, on Jim Harbaugh, uh, because it seems like I've said these things so many times, but um, I, I frankly think uh, he would be wise to leave. Uh, yeah. And, and I don't know all the circumstances, but I do believe that at least there are, there are some people at the university of Michigan with integrity uh, and who believe that, uh, you know, what, what he has been accused of is probably not uh Go, he's not going to be able to get away with. Uh, I, I, I also have very little faith, if any, in the NCAA. But these two just seem to be, these two uh, seem to be on, on a collision course. And and what, what I saw from Tony Petiti a couple of weeks ago was it was unique because usually you don't see that from a conference office. Instead, you see the conference office doing everything they can to protect the university, regardless of what the facts are. It was, it was uh, unprecedented. Um, but before I move on, Paul, uh, play the hits. Play the hits. We brought you put all the hits. It's, it's the holiday season. You can play all the hits you want. Um, but uh, but in the meantime, 
you you talk about it. It's been you've been impressed with how Jim Harbaugh has been able to get to this level, right? But it has been getting to this level. It has not been getting over that hump. Uh, Jim Harbaugh won in six in bowl games at at Michigan uh, and zero and two in college football playoffs. Nick Saban, of course, six and one in college football playoffs semis, six straight wins. Uh, the, the players and coordinators told us this week uh, that Harbaugh has literally switched up how they're bowl prepping, right? Trying more of of a slow ramp. Uh, is it is it that simple, or, or what? What makes Nick Saban such a master of this month? Well, uh, I think you know there there's a level of of organization that Saban has, and you know Rainer saw this up close that nobody else has. Um, it, it's not just his coaching staff. I mean, you walk in. Uh, I know Rainer's covered the Cowboys. I mean, you walk into the uh, yeah. Alabama football office, and you think you're at the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, I mean, there are the, what, nine assistant coaches, and then there's 500, or it seems like that, uh, analysts uh, roaming around. So there, there's almost nothing left to chance where I, I don't know exactly how Harbaugh runs things, but I'm guessing he's a little more old-fashioned um, in the way he does things, even in this uh, very contemporary modern world. And I just think Saban uh, – yeah, I'll, I'll try to spare you the, the you know too many goat uh, references, but yeah, you, you get to that level uh, by leaving nothing to chance by 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 covering every imaginable detail. I once spent uh, about seven or eight years ago. I spent uh, a couple of days with Saban uh, for uh, outside the lines, uh, and I flew uh, I think to Connecticut and back, and. <laughs> This was now, I'm trying to, this was in July of, uh, I believe, 2015. He, he literally, on the way up, watched the Auburn spring football game. Now, what was he looking for? I don't know. Um, but, you know, you know, maybe he saw something. Uh, maybe he picked up something that he used later. I, but that's the, kind of, that's the kind of coach he is. I, I don't know too many coaches who do things like that, but he's always looking for a new. I mean, he won a national championship in 2015 on an onside kick against Clemson. I mean, his team was done. Uh, he, ha- he, he rolled the dice. He got it uh, after a touchdown in the game. He turned he, he turned a, a tie game into pretty much a fourteen point situation uh, in a matter of uh, in, in a matter of a couple of plays. But you know, I mean, he's lost games like that too. Uh, but you know, probably the thing about Saban is he learns. He 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 lost to Auburn in twenty thirteen that famous kick six game. Um, he's lost a couple other ones. What's happened the last two times Alabama's gone to Auburn? They have literally won on miracles. I mean, both games were 99% uh, chance of, of losing, and they he pulled them out. So how do you do – is that luck? To a degree, but it's also you know, occasionally making the right call. And, and I'm not sure I've seen a lot of that from Jim Harbaugh. I mean, he, he either overpowers you uh, or or he loses those big – or used to lose those big games. He hasn't quite lost as many uh, as he has in the past. Uh, along those lines, I mean, w- with Saban, has this, in your estimation, been his best coaching job at Alabama, especially given what was going into the year with the direct and existential threat posed by Georgia? Yeah, I, I think it has been. Um, and I, I don't completely buy, Rainer, the the narrative that, that Nick Saban uh, nearly tanked the South Florida game to prove the fans wrong. Uh, you, I'm sure you've heard that uh, from yeah, right. 
I mean, that's anyone who's ever been around Nick Saban knows that he's not doing anything uh, for the fans. Uh, that's the probably way down on his Christmas uh, list. But I, I just think he he brought in a coordinator who was slow to learn and, and stubborn and wanted uh, his guy to be the quarterback. And uh, it, it it became very apparent uh, after Texas that Alabama had problems and yeah, did they panic? Yeah. Did Jalen Milrow uh, act uh, a lot like uh, he, he didn't like the idea of being being benched? I'm sure he did. Uh, by the way, probably he knew he knew the other quarterbacks couldn't play. We didn't. But he did because he, he worked with them every day and he'd already beaten them out. So uh, but that that's the narratives of Alabama football. You you, you either accept what the uh, what, what, what the story is or you have to you know fight the. Uh, and tilt at windmills the rest of the way, but but it's been brilliant. Uh, I think it's, I think I think some of it is a result of of having to really coach again. Uh, he had the two, he had the best offensive player in the country last year and the best defensive player, and the expectations uh, and and the joy of it w- was gone. And but but a lot of Nick Saban's successes have been joyless. Uh, I mean that's kind of his existence. This year it looks like he's happier now. I think a lot of that has more to do with age than anything. Uh, he's 72 years old. Uh, I'm four and a half years behind him. I can understand a little bit as you certain as you hit certain benchmarks. You go, you know what? I don't know if I'm coming around this corner again. And I, and I think what concerned him the most was that his grip on college football had been taken away. Not not by Jim Harbaugh, not by Ryan Day, but by Kirby Smart, his own mentor. His, uh, his own, uh, the person he's, he's mentored, the person that learned under him, that was, you know, somewhat of a, of a, of a son to him in terms of coaching. And I think Saban also knew uh, that if Kirby Smart beat him in Atlanta three weeks ago, that, that train was heading to a national championship. And Nick Saban was essentially uh, spending the rest of his career playing for second in his own league. Do you think that game and the result of that game could have influenced, you know, his next move as far as whether he moved on from college football or, you know, I mean, maybe wanted to continue and and try to fight this fight? Or do you think that this that the victory may have changed his uh, whole perspective on what he wants to do going forward over the next, you know, five to ten years? Rainer, I I think that's the unanswered question. And and a lot of people. I was talking to my wife last night. She said, well, do you think he'll step down if he beats Michigan and wins the CFP? I don't really think that matters um, because I think he's already won the most important game of the year for him personally. Uh, I promise you for Nick Saban to beat Jim Harbaugh is not going to be something that he, he remembers uh, as he retires. It's just not that big a deal. He's beaten, he's beaten bigger and better coaches and, uh, and, and more important wins. Uh, I mean, I, and after a while uh, he's won, I think he, I'm trying to remember. I think he's won seven national championships. I mean, do you, can you count them all? Uh, do you even remember them uh, after a while? I, I'm, I'm not saying that. Uh, I mean, obviously, Belichick would like to try to remember one of his. Uh, but when you've won that many, uh, they're great, but they're not as important as the first one or the second one. Uh, but but I think for for Nick uh, right Nick Saban right now, I mean, I, I can't answer the question because you know this is National Signing Day. 
and he signed the best quarterback in the country and he's got the best. Uh, so that's the hard part about walking away. Nobody wants to, uh, you know, do all this shopping, so to speak, in this in this NIL infested world and say, OK, I'm out of here. Um, and besides, Rainer, you covered him. Uh, this is not a man that's going to be happy tomorrow if he retires. Uh, I don't care, you know, how how big a check he gets from ESPN or from Aflac or or from some corporate board. That's not enough to satisfy Nick Saban. Yeah, um, I, I guess you, you alluded to the idea that this this game is maybe not as important as the Georgia game, but. Saban seems to have a particular dislike for Michigan going back to his days at, at Michigan State, uh, before that as an assistant at Ohio State. Uh, and if you recall in the Citrus Bowl, I mean, he did a rare thing where he, he punched in a late touchdown with Najee Harris, a Michigan recruit uh, in that game. And that was very rare. I, I had never seen that from him. I mean, he usually just sat on the ball, uh, didn't want to do that because he was playing the long game. He's always thinking of the long game, but there's something about Michigan that seems to kind of rankle him. Uh, I mean, have you gotten that same impression from, from Nick? I have, um, but you, you said, uh, yeah, he, he doesn't like Michigan. Uh, that would include a lot of us, wouldn't it? Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I, yeah, I mean, this is not uh, a normal opponent, uh, but uh, but I have seen I have seen Nick Saban do do a few things like that that I, I normally would not have seen. Uh, yeah, it, it, during most of his tenure, he would he would never he would never score at the end of the game. But uh, I just I, I don't know if it's really personal with Harbaugh. Uh, I can't answer that. But yeah, when you're the Michigan State coach for five years, uh, I would say you spend plenty of time having your, your uh, face rubbed in the, in, in the dirt by, by Michigan folks. I, I, th- I think he did. Um, but and when you when you talk about, when we look at Saban and this being hit, one of his best coaching jobs, you, you talked about it, Paul. It was Tommy Reese and, and Milrow sort of getting on that same page and really starting to, to click on offense. At least that's what it looked like when, uh, when from, from out here when, when Alabama took off. I want to – Michigan's own quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, has on his has a, his own uh, arc this season, so to speak. Right, he was peaking towards the Heisman, just one touchdown in the last five years, or in the last five, not five years, feels like five years, last five games. Yes. Uh, um, so, I, which quarterback would you rather have for this game, and why? Well, I'd rather have Jalen Milrow because uh, I'm a big believer in give me the best athlete, give me the guy who can get out of trouble. And I think Milrow has been that. Uh, I mean, I, I respect McCarthy. Please, I don't. I don't want everybody to think that there's every everything about uh, you know, the University of Michigan. I uh, you know I, I wake up and go to sleep with you know hating. I don't. Um, I do think it's a good school. Okay, um, I've, I've covered a couple of a couple of Michigan games in my in my life, and they've always been. Uh, They've always been pretty special. It's not like, you know, seeing a game with Alabama and Iowa. Um, so, uh, but but I, I just think Milrow, Milrow has so many intangibles. And with McCarthy, I don't know McCarthy's health right now. I mean, clearly something was wrong the last few weeks of the season, and that affected him. If he's, if he's 100% healthy, this is a, a bigger debate. But but I have seen Milrow, uh, and as, uh, as scary as he can be at times – 
uh, on the negative, uh, he has blossomed into a pretty amazing player. The, the idea that he nearly made the Heisman finals uh, is, is, is incomprehensible. What, why, do you th- why do you think, I guess, regardless of the result, I mean, I assume you think this, but why do you think Alabama is more of a sustainable program at the top, say, than Michigan is? Well, uh, I just think you know, the the Alabama recruiting apparatus is really only rivaled by, I think, two schools in the country, and that would be uh, be Georgia and Ohio State. Now, I realize all those great all those great recruits have not exactly uh, proved bountiful for Ryan Day in the last three years, but I think ultimately, uh, you know the history of, of, of today's college football will, will, will support uh, that, that type of recruiting. And, and I think it, it does, it, I think it's going to become even more important next year when you get into this playoff, which is going to be a, there's going to be a lot of attrition and you're going, you're going to need a deep team. And uh, I mean, I, I think that, 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 that is what, what I find so remarkable about Michigan's accomplishments is you know they, they they've been able to recruit really good players there, but they there's no way they compare with with Georgia and Alabama from a uh, on this you know high holy day uh, uh, from a star system. I mean I, I'm I'm still not I mean you guys cover the team I, I'm I'm still not sure how they've been able to pull it off. It's a lot of development. It's 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 turned into that that balance of that develop that development program with. Developing four stars, right? Not a development with yeah. three stars, but if you get that just that just higher. And so, Paul, I guess that sort of leads us into where do you see Michigan's program going over the next five years? I mean, could, is there is there a program in America that has potentially more of a split path and more options in in ways it could go? Yeah, you know, I don't think so because. Uh, <sighs> College football now is 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 so unpredictable, and the portal is the reason. And you don't know what's on the other side of the portal. You know, with you know, can you can you will you be able to move more, you know whenever you want, which seems possible. Um, and that's where players are. I mean, I I, I was reading something uh, this morning that uh, Billy Napier at Florida had to get this quarterback. It was the linchpin to his future. No, it's not, because <laughs> the guy could be gone in a year. Uh, I mean. Alabama has got a couple of five stars on the roster right now uh, that aren't going to be around much longer. Uh, that's just the way it goes. So I, I don't think uh, I don't think the recruiting card is as critical as it was. I mean, I, I but I also don't think many players uh, are going to be hanging around for development either. Like like what what you folks have seen up close uh, with so many uh, amazing players who. Yeah, we may not have been paying much attention to three years ago on signing day, but uh, are leaving and going, you know, going before you uh, even sit down on the night of the draft. So uh, I, I, I think uh, the first move is Harbaugh. What, what does he do regardless of the next game or two? Uh, seems pretty apparent what Michigan will do. I mean, I'm just guessing you guys talk about it all the time, whether the heir apparent has already uh, – been chosen seems like it has and uh you know does the ncaa investigation 
derail anything or is it just a like every other NCAA investigation uh, really ain't really aimed at one person and without him I mean I've seen a lot I've seen a lot of shady characters uh, in my part of the country uh, go through endless NCAA investigations and end up with barely a scratch uh, you know you mentioned the transfer portal and everything how do you think Saban has handled that uh, especially over the you know these last couple of years it, it diminishes his authority in some ways because he can, you know, tell the keep those guys, the five star kids on the bench, and tell them to wait, showing them that uh, there is a pathway towards the NFL. But now, you know, they they have these options to go transfer elsewhere and play immediately. How has he handled that? Do you think uh, just the reduction and maybe clout that he has over the his own players? Well, you, I think it drives him crazy. Uh, I remember he called me about two years ago, uh, you know, right in the middle of a little less than two years ago, in the middle of uh, you know the explosion of NIL, and, and he uh, he said to me, "So, so what do we? What, you know, you need to do something about this." And I'm like going, uh, first I didn't want to tell him I, I was totally in favor of NIL, so I said, "Well, I don't know. I mean, I said maybe you ought to say something about it." <laughs> He said, well, what should I say? And I didn't realize two weeks later he was going to uh, attack Jimbo Fisher. Uh, and yes, but but I, I and I don't I'm not taking credit, but but I said, you need to make a very concise statement. Of course, he did not. Uh, he accused Jimbo Fisher of being a cheat um, and then denied it as soon as uh, Jimbo responded. But that's just the way it is. And and, and, I, and Saban can't control that. He's adjusted to the fact that Alabama is still such a machine uh, that it still has done well and I think will continue to do well. But does he enjoy it? No. That's why I think this season was special. He was able, he was able to squeeze a – so much out of, uh, you know, 15 five-stars and, and a handful of four-stars. He, he actually got a four-star to perform at a five-star level. Um, but he's not, that's not normally the case. Uh, and, you know, that's one reason why people aren't, aren't sure how much more he wants to do. But on the other hand, uh, he's succeeding in it. Uh, every time you think that program is about to fall off the face of the earth, you know, they, they come back last year with the number one recruiting class, maybe the best recruiting class ever. Uh, you hear that every year, by the way. Uh, and, and, you know, this year uh, they may be way down at number two or three, depending on how the how the last thing falls. Uh, and, and he can pick and choose. Uh, yeah. Uh, who who, uh, who doesn't want to consider going to Alabama? Uh, so. I think that's that's all uh, that's all the, the built in things that work for him. But I think it's just a matter of how many how many more if he pulls this thing off. I think the, the weight on him to 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 leave uh, with a perfect canvas it, 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 well, you know, will be high. But but he's had that before. He, he, his team uh, on the covid year, uh, I mean that, that was one of the most dominant teams of all time. Now, you can debate is that does that does that championship count as much as. This one, uh, I mean, it's going to count whether you whether you wanted to or not. But I mean, he, he said, you know, I, I frankly wondered if he wouldn't walk walk away after uh, you know two up uh, through the through the second and twenty six in overtime to Devonte Smith. I mean, that, that was I mean, nobody's ever had a better ending than that. But uh, he he's only won one title since then. And I mean, we started making a big deal uh, this year 
uh, when it looked like they had been knocked out after Texas, that you know, it would it would now they would now only have one title uh, in the last five years, uh, and that would be the longest stretch uh, that he had gone with uh, in in such a in, in such a situation. I mean, he he's he's averaging until I mean he's been averaging about every two point three years a national championship. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's unbelievable. We we had that show earlier, right, Reiner? After after Texas, after South Florida, the the, the end of Saban show, and as and and we tried to avoid it, right? Even last year when they miss it, and you can't, you, you never want to write Saban off, but uh, we, yeah. yeah, I mean, I, listen, I, I made the same statements. Uh, I mean, only only the Alabama fans never. I mean, they they were bailing out. I mean, everybody was bailing out after that game. Um, and, you know, and, you know, and Saban said some just bizarre things, uh, the day after the South Florida game, uh, you know, he announced that, uh, Milrow would be the starter. Uh, he said he, he's, he's, he showed such great leadership and I'm like going as a cheerleader. Uh, but you know, it, the one thing that Ray Rayner knows, and you guys uh, can accept, it really doesn't matter what the facts are. Nick Saban is always going to be right. It seems that way. All right. And with that, is he going to be right uh, for a seventh consecutive college football playoff semifinal uh, on January 1st, Paul? We'll let you go with this one. Um, number one, Michigan. Number four, Alabama. Beyond Jalen Milrow, beyond J.J. McCarthy, I have a guess. I think I know who you think may win, but I will ask you who wins and why. Yeah, I, I do think Alabama will win. Um, and I don't want to just sound like I'm pandering because – you guys are good reporters. You can find a million things I've said to counter what I'm about to say, but, but, but I do think this Michigan team is outstanding. Um, I may not like some of the things and some of the manners, but uh, this is a, this is a really great football team that has been the best team all year. But I think in this setting, in this, in this moment, uh, Alabama has superior speed. Uh, they have, you know, they have a secondary that, that is, it is frightening. Uh, their offensive line is, so much better than it was. I mean, you, 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 if Michigan had played Alabama uh, second week of the season, uh, Michigan would have won the game pretty handily. But that that didn't happen, and I, and I, I do worry a little bit about Michigan being tested. Um, I, I mean, I'm struggling to find many games that I that I would count as legitimate contests. You know, two or three at the most, where Alabama has been tested by everyone. And has and has faced the crucible, and I think a lot of times in these games, there's that moment when something happens, whether it's a penalty, whether it's a third down, whether it's a fourth down, whether it's whether it's you know reacting to a bad uh, you know a, a, an interception or whatever. And Alabama, I mean, I can go through Alabama's schedule quickly and and give you seven or eight moments when Alabama could have lost. Uh, they, they 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 did lose to Texas. Uh, they had the anxious moment against South Florida. Ole Miss should have beaten them. I mean, that's unequivocal. Ole Miss looked better that day, but but Lane Kiffin got in his own way. Tennessee had a great shot at beating Alabama. They had a big first half lead. Uh, Texas A and M on the road uh, had Alabama down, but Jimbo Fisher, uh, you know, threw up all over himself as he has been known to do. And and then down the stretch, uh, the, the games are self-explanatory. Uh, LSU with Jaden Daniels, uh, you know, blinked at the moment that they had to win. And, you know, obviously <laughs> Auburn speaks for itself and, and Georgia. So that, that's a lot of games that Alabama has, has been tested in. And I think that that to me 
not X's and O's, but 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 intangibles is really what carries Alabama to the win. All right. Well, are you going to be there, Paul? I don't know. Uh, you yeah, I, sure, I sure will. Great. Well, maybe we'll uh, see one another up in the press box and uh, I hope so. Reiner will show us around. Reiner's also a big star in L.A. Uh, pretty much uh, anywhere he goes, so he can yeah. he can show for us around. Yeah, we, I, I think you probably uh, had yeah. your own motor. No, uh, I look I just right. Will you be wearing the uh, predictable shades while uh, when uh, at media oh, yeah. night? Yeah, okay. whole get up, everything. Yeah, okay, no, well, I mean, okay. the, uh, yeah, no. I, I definitely want to. I'm actually looking forward. I've never. This is the last major bowl I haven't covered. Um, so, I mean, and this is the one I've always wanted to cover the most. Just because. Well, uh, I've been there a few times. Uh, it's, 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 it is, uh, it does live up to it. Uh, I mean, there are some places that do not in college football, but, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl is, is, uh, <laughs> you will, you will have a good time there. I'll see you. I'll be there. I'll be there at media day. So we do, I think we're doing a show that, that morning. So. Okay. Come on by. Okay, great. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. We will see you there, and everybody knows where to Paul, find Paul, uh, the Paul Feinbaum Show on the SEC Network. Paul, thank you so much for, for joining us. Uh, we'll talk to you soon. The pleasure's been mine. Thank you, guys. Thanks again to the one and only Paul Feinbaum for joining the show. And as always, uh, thanks to Editor-in-Chief Nicole Avery Nichols, Executive Editor Anjanette Delgado, Sports Editor Kirkland Crawford, Audio Engineer Robin Chan, Sports Editor and Show Producer Andrew Burkle, and of course my boy Reiner. Uh, For all of them, I'm Tony. Talk to you next time.